0: Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today I'm excited to share a recent and a returning Firebird Book Award winning author with you. He is Mark Piggott, and his book is titled The River of Souls. Mark, a native of Phillipsburg, New Jersey, enlisted in the U.S. Navy in 1982, beginning a 23-year career. He served on four aircraft carriers in various duty stations as a Navy journalist before he attained the rank of Chief Petty Officer. He retired from active duty in 2006. His first novel, Forever Avalon, was published in 2009, followed by his second novel, The Dark Tides, in 2014. The Outlander War, book three of the Forever Avalon series from Austin Macaulay Publishing, was released in 2020. Then in 2021, he published the start of a new steampunk fantasy series with The Last Magus, a clockwork heart from lulu.com. And at the end of 2021, he signed with Curious Corvid Publishing as one of their new authors for this small independent publisher. The Outlander War won second place for fantasy in the 2021 Firebird Book Awards. The Last Magus won first place for steampunk, and in 2022, Forever Avalon won second place for fantasy. And right now, we're about to learn about his latest fantasy novella, The River of Souls, in collaboration with poet Ashley Vallitudo, which was published in 2022 through Curious Corvid Publishing. I am so happy to have you here with me today. Welcome, Mark.
1: Thank you very much. It's great to be here with you today.
0: Yes, so many wins and so congratulations on this most recent one.
1: Thank you very much. I, You know, it's one of those things of it's great when an author can have their works uh, judged by their peers and, and appreciated. And so I'm very grateful for that opportunity.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your work with us because all of it does fund the uh, pillowcase and the book project for the homeless shelter. So um, it plays a big role in helping others as well. It's kind of a win-win-win.
1: Well, you know, as an independent author, you're always looking for everything to help. You know, you along in your career. And at the same time, it's always good to also do that uh, extra work to help others.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. All righty, well, let's start by just maybe giving us a peek into this most recent book, The River of Souls.
1: Well, The River of Souls was, it's a, it was an idea that's just one of those things that you come to me. And it was a story of, it's a love story. About um, one soul crossing from one world to the other across the river of souls. And this young man, you know, lay dead at a, after an accident, car accident. And he hears a voice crying out for help. And he doesn't know if it's somebody within the accident or if it's whatever, where the voice is coming from. But he always says, please let me help. Let me do something. And then he dies. And then he wakes up. In another world, a world where it has been torn apart by endless war and racism between humans and another race called dragon King, which are half human, half dragon. And they've had this war going on for hundreds of years until finally some of the dragon King crossed over and helped to to fight the evil from within their own people and helped end the war. But even at that ending, there's still a bit of racism about and, and distrust amongst humans. And so this is a story of a human man and a dragonkin woman and the, the love that they bring together and trying to break that boundary of hatred.
0: What an interesting way to make your point.
1: Well, you know, it's one of those things that you don't... I'm not a political commentator, and I, you know, but you, there are sensitive subjects in today's day and age, and to be able to talk about them, but from a fantasy concept... Mm-hmm. is, a, I think, a, a great way to try to tell that story and try to make the point of, you know, you want it, to, it's always one of the things that you want to show the ugliness of racism to make people understand it. And so that's what I try to do within my, my book and within my story.
0: I agree with you. Yes, this, the fantasy format kind of puts it into another world, yet makes the point without hitting people over the head with it
1: yeah absolutely and i also wanted to try to um soften things with you know and and, and make a point of i i think i'm trying to say just trying trying to make people understand it and feel that that compassion as well and i did that through by at working through in some poetry i i wrote poetry as a as a kid you know in high school and things that way back when, when it was kind of in vogue, you know, (laughs) in the 70s, you know, and such. Don't want to speak my age, but I am. (laughs) But, you know, back, you know, I, I haven't written in so long, so I collaborated with a poet to try to weave some poetry into this, because to me poetry is a great way to try to not only communicate your feelings, but at the same time try to quell that rage inside you.
0: I was going to ask that question: How it occurred to you to weave in the aspect of poetry?
1: Well, you know, the one, the one of the characters, Alyssa, she's the she's the dragonkin. You know, she has she's the the main focus of every, but the point a point of the not not only the, the racism and the bigotry aspect, but also she's been through war. And she's also, because the fact that she sided with the humans against her own kind to try to end this war, that plays heavy on her. So her outlet, to me, had, you know, a great way for her to to get through that pain is through writing poetry. So the poems I have in this are basically from her perspective. That's the way I wanted to treat it.
0: After this, do you think you'll be adding more poetry to your works, or do you think you might do a straight-up poetry book?
1: No, what I'm thinking, I, I have an idea for actually a sequel to River of Souls. I, I, there, there's a little bit more of the story that I, I think I, I want to tell, so I might be doing the second book on this. I haven't thought it out yet, but I, I do have some ideas on that. I want to get through this one first, and then we'll go from there. You know, I, I just, this this for this particular story, it, it needed the poetry. That's why I really wanted included into this. sure.
0: Being that you are somewhat prolific and that you can get works out pretty rapidly, it's not taking 10 years to get a work out, that you can respond to social events or topics that are occurring currently that then you can maybe weave a story around.
1: Well, I don't, you know, it's one of those things of I've always, in my writings, I usually try to avoid politics because you know, I've always deemed it as readers come from both the left and the right. And so you don't want to alienate one or the other. So my idea is I try to, you know, incorporate, you know, just the great ideas of fantasy. But at the same time, my approach has always been good versus evil, because to me, that's the biggest overwhelming arc you want to see in, in society is you want good to be that that leading force. And you always want that triumph. So I try to I, I try to really focus on that in a lot of my writings, but at the same time, I, I do folk I do try to tell what stories I can, and and evoke some of those issues. Mm-hmm.
0: What has been the feedback, especially since you had the addition of some poetry in this most recent book?
1: Um, it, it, it's it's still brand new. It's only been a few months out, so it's still it's still gathering steam. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had too much on it yet, but a couple of first reviews have been very good on it. Right. So I've i been encouraged by by this. My my publisher does uh, a lot of, one of the reasons, you know, I, I went, I, I'm with them is they do a lot of poetry. So they were really perfect for this, for this first book.
0: Absolutely. I get that. And that's Curious Corvid?
1: Yes. Curious Corvid Publishing.
0: And your cover, I really loved your cover. And it won second place in the Firebird Book Awards. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I I, I had a, a great artist through again through Curious Corvid, uh, uh, Mark McLish, Alexander McLish. He Mark Alexander McLeish, uh He uh, he did a great job on the cover to really you know take my idea of that of that river crossing through time and space, and you know that's exactly what I was looking for.
0: That's so good when somebody can realize your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Characters were these characters reminders from previous characters Were they brand new where did they come from
1: it, it's kind of it's evolved throughout my writings uh, the the forever avalon series uh, the that my my first book and my first series it revolves around a family and so and that was when i was writing it basically i used my own family as the templates for that for that uh, group there they were you know people I use their personalities and their appearance and, and tried to, and, you know, use that as the basis for, for them. I even, even their, their names in the story are all their middle names. So I, you know, I, I, it, I kept it in that kind of a sense. Um, developing further, um, beyond that, the other characters, these are just, you know, again, a, a lot of, for me, a lot of my ideas just comes from, uh, I get that first scene in a dream and then it just builds from there and and i just work out how i want to develop these characters i usually try to make sure you know i mean i have a lot of strong women in my life so my, the women i i i don't i don't go for the damsels in distress mm-hmm. i i i like a a strong female character and so i try to make sure i have that within my stories you know because i'm surrounded by that in my own life mm-hmm. uh between my wife my daughters and you know another, and my mother and such Um, so, you know, I try to use that within my stories and, um, the male lead, you know, I'm, I'm military, so I kind of, that, that draws a lot of my focus when I'm writing a a male lead within my stories. Mm
0: -hmm. I thought as much, yeah, you, you, especially military background, I, I would think that's a pretty strong background and it would have to shine through in, in your writing.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, and it's. It, I mean, that's. It, it it kind of makes sense, like I said in my Forever Avalon series, the main character was a former sailor who fell overboard at sea and ended up on the island of Avalon, and you know, so that I was able to use that my military in in creating that character, um, but it's also the in, in in character development. It's kind of funny. Back in my youth, again, going back to this is. 70s and 80s I used to play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, playing that you develop, you learned to de- to create a character and you had to create scenarios that you that you did in your campaigns. And so I think that's kind of where my my story building and character building and world building all started. It started there. That gave me the basis of what I needed and then I mean I didn't start writing my first book until 2001. And so it it you know it kind of helped me get to that point. Mm-hmm.
0: And and it's interesting that you say that you're, the first scene came to you in a dream. You're not the first person to say this. Many authors that I speak with talk about their dreams and how that kind of um, you know gives them that spark or that initial idea. And you wonder where that comes from, and, and you know I guess you've got to be in that subconscious state of mind for all of the ideas to flow.
1: Well, it's interesting is that, my, my again, going back to Forever Avalon, that book, um, when I was, again, all my days of Dungeons and Dragons, but I also played a lot of it in my early deployments in the Navy. You know, back in the 80s, this was before the Internet, before video game consoles, you know, were very popular. You know, you're a sailor at sea, you spent your off-duty hours not doing too much, you know, mm-hmm. playing some games on the mess deck, things like that. But, you know, I would get together with my friends. We'd find a quiet corner and play D&D. And so when you're a young sailor uh, deployed away from your family for the first time, you have a wife, new wife and a new baby, your mind starts to play tricks on you and things. So I used to have a recurring dream about being on this fantasy island with my family. And every time I would go to sea, I would have this dream. And the dream evolved as my kids were being born. But It kept through me all the way up till my last deployment in 2001. And that's when I said, you know, I got to start writing this stuff down. So I started writing down the dream as a story. And that's where my first book, Forever Avalon, came from. And the funny thing is, is as soon as I finished that story, writing it down, I stopped having that dream. Really? Yeah.
0: It was meant to get out of you, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I, I kind of feel that way a lot of times. I mean, that's why I, I I write all the time nowadays because it's like I gotta. I always say I have a, I have a Broadway play going on twenty four seven in my head, and if I don't write it down, it's just going to keep going on and on. <laughs> so, are you writing
0: full time now?
1: Well, no. I I have a full time job, you know, during the week and such. I spend my nights and weekends writing, and when I'm not writing. Or editing or doing my own social media which a lot of independent authors this is what you kind of have to do uh, I'm also going to book events and things to, to try to set up a you know setting up a booth to try to you know tell people about my books and you know give them get them a signed copy and or if they you know take a card and maybe they'll download an ebook or an audio book. Mm-hmm. You are very
0: active on Twitter. I see you there all of the time, and, and I notice that you're doing a lot of um, in-person events too. Maybe uh, share a couple tips or ideas or things that have worked well for you as far as social media or marketing your book, because authors are just kind of craving uh, to find out what other people are doing and what works.
1: Well, the main thing on for social media I can suggest is I, I use Hootsuite, which dot uh, com, it's a great program um, that you can, you if you have multiple social media accounts, you can schedule your posts. You know, like I in the first thing in the morning, I schedule a couple posts for during the day, and then I forget about it because it just does it for me. You know, so you just do that one time, and then it, it does more. Now you can do it, get more. You could probably, if, if you pay for it, you can schedule it out for a week. But I just use the free side of the program. So that makes it a lot easier uh, on scheduling social media posts for me. Um, on on events, I'm just looking for different things of that's within the genres that I write. I look for um, comic cons, uh, fantasy conventions, steampunk conventions. Those are the, those ones that I I try to see if I can get a booth at and. You know, be there with other authors. You know, I always look to make sure that you know some of these events that they are looking for authors. You know, so because mm. you don't want to be. Uh, I you know, I'll give you an example of one not to. I I did an anime convention earlier this year. I thought you know, it was one here in the D.C. area. I thought it might be. A, it was a big convention, so I thought you know, fan, anime anime geeks they love fantasy. So yeah, this is a be a, this will be a great thing for me. And I barely got noticed because it's just, it's so different. So that was one. It's like, nope, not going to do any more in a I learned my lesson with that one.
0: Yes. You sometimes learn the hard way. Um, yeah. But uh, I guess all exposure is good and you never know what, what can come up in events. So you just got to put yourself yeah. put yourself out there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I did a steampunk convention in, in May, and that was one of the best ones I've had all year. And, you know, because they were very, you know, receptive to that, you know, to to that because they're I I think it's more of a thing of the depending on the genre uh, Mm -hmm. type, because people who are into steampunk are very much into the works of like Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, you know, the the godfathers of steampunk. So Mm -hmm. therefore that anything writing along that line, they're always looking for. Sure.
0: They're there. If you were going to write in a different genre, so not steampunk fantasy um what would attract you
1: i mean i've always had a love for sci-fi i'm a big star trek and star wars fan and and, and such so i i i would l- love to to maybe dabble in some sci-fi but i'm my it's the technical side of things you know with sci-fi you really have to have that technical mm-hmm. ideology you know cuz you want to make sure that you know I I always go by the, the Gene Roddenberry rule when he did Star Trek, you know, he wrote it and he consulted engineers and things and scientists to make sure that yes. what he was writing was possible. Right. So, you know, you have to be able to I think you have to be able to do that in in writing sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But even in steampunk, I mean, I've had with writing my steampunk, I've had to make sure that the mechanics yes. are are in line because, you know, even though you're, you're powering it something differently and it's working differently, you still want to make sure that it, it can function in some way. Absolutely.
0: Wow. A lot going on. Let me ask you this. What's next? What are you working on now?
1: Well, my next book is, I actually have a, a full steampunk historical fiction. It's coming out in January of next year from Curious Corvette Publishing. It's called Corsair and the Sky Pirates. Ooh. Um, It's set around the the, the early 1900s, Um, and, you know, the idea for this story basically came from what if Jules Verne and Nikola Tesla met? What kind of world would have come out of that meeting? And so I I took that idea, and and it was funny that when doing my research, I actually found out that Tesla and Verne were in France at the same time. So this was possible. They could have met. Um yeah, and so from that world of uh, from that meeting we have now had a, an earlier industrial revolution to where the world has changed and has become more more steam powered and so I ha- and it also has increased the rivalry between Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison and so Tesla uses his sky pirates to try to thwart the the uh schemes of Edison and his corporate um mastery over the world.
0: That's going to be a good one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I it was so much fun to write it to to go into a full I mean, it took a lot because I'm mixing historic yes. both real real historical figures as well as some some that I made up uh, along, you know, for the story as well. So, it was it was fun researching that and 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 doing that and I really had to delve into what was going on in the early nineteen hundreds before World War One, you know, what how the world was, what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so I really tried to play into that. And I I'm really getting more into steampunk. I mean in my last mega series it's more magic and machine in this, but in this one this is full what steampunk was meant to be, mm-hmm. taking the modern technology back to that earlier time period, right. you know, the late Victorian, early 1900, that era, and, and to where you have, you know, to, just to give you an example, there is actually a, a gentleman named Hollerith who created the first computer. Um, it was a simple data calculation, but it was still considered by many as the first uh, a first idea of a working computer. So... Throw a little steampunk into that, and we have what I call a Hollerith thinking machine, which, with using an Edison glass, becomes what we would consider a computer today. So that kind of thing, I had to rework it in that sense, but I was just trying to make it to where it looked like something that we would know what it is today.
0: Right, right. Oh, my gosh, I love this. Can't wait. Be sure to share it with us.
1: Oh, I will be, definitely. (laughs)
0: All right, Mark, anything we missed before we begin to wrap up? Anything we missed that you wanted to highlight today?
1: Um, the main thing I, I just would like to just to highlight is I'll be on the people can find me. I'm, I'm again on my website, Um You can find my events where I'll be and I'll definitely be out. I'm out there all the time uh, trying, you know, talking to people about my books. Um, but I have events coming up. Uh, I'm in Williamsburg for the next two months. Actually, next few months I'm um, um, in Williamsburg Virginia they have a, an event called second Sundays I'm at that uh, talking uh, about my books uh, at that event it's the second Sunday of every month and then also the Williamsburg Book Festival coming up it was re- it was originally supposed to be in October but they had to reschedule it because the hurricane. For uh, February, so February Saturday, February 4th, I'll be at that one. So those are just some upcoming events. And if anybody's in the Williamsburg, Virginia area, please come out. I'd be happy to see you.
0: Excellent. All righty. So we're speaking with Mark Piggott, and his Firebird Book Award-winning book is titled The River of Souls. Mark, thank you for today. And you've tickled our brains here. And we're going to be looking forward to this next book uh, coming out in 2023. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for sharing your books with us.
1: Thank you very much, Pat. It was great talking to you.